Hello and welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. Uh, my name is Emma Sexton. I am your host for this podcast. Uh, Horrible Things is a true crime and disaster podcast where me and anywhere from one to two guests talk about horrible things, as is implied by the name of the podcast, Horrible Things. Today, I am joined by my very own sister, Noelle Sexton, who has been on a couple episodes previously, but this is the first episode she's been on where she has no idea what topic we're doing. I'm thoroughly scared. I asked her what it was about before we started, and she will tell me absolutely nothing. You betcha. So I'm quite nervous, because what if she scares me? I think that actually this is you're going to really enjoy this case not in like the way obviously it's terrible but I think you'll enjoy it because it's happier than most of the cases we do because today we're so doing an a- I survived oh. story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so have that's we, the first time we we've actually one? I've never done an I survived story on the podcast which is why I'm really really excited to do one. I've been wanting to do them kind of since the beginning but I this is the first time I've actually had the time to research enough into it that I felt comfortable doing it. I feel honored. I'm the first. The first to hear and I survived. Yeah. Very exciting. And it's kind of funny. I I feel like these stories are kind of so much tied to my beginnings in getting comfortable with true crime because like I remember being in fifth grade going to the Scholastic Book Fair on campus uh, at elementary school, wherever. And I just remember always going straight back to the books that called the I Survived books. And I would read all these books. They were mostly about disasters. Like there were ones that talked about Hurricane Katrina. There were ones that talked about shark attacks and things like that. But I just remember as a kid being obsessed with the I Survived books and then loving the show later on in life. So it's just it feels very um, like I'm connecting back to my my roots in true crime in a way. Yes. But now you're scared of sharks as a result. But you know what? You do what you got to do, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, I survive stories are they're always super uh, sad because they it's, are sad. It's like personal. And especially if it's an actual survivor, it's like those people who are still alive today. It's they're the lucky people. But it's but it different. is in a way it is, I think, a lot less heavy than some other cases because, you know, yeah. that they did survive and that people who go out there and share their stories usually came out of it well enough that they feel able to talk about the things that have happened to them exactly that's a real i always think the people that go and tell their stories and do their best to help other people who've gone through similar things like the person we're going to talk about today it's just such like that is that is a hero and that is someone who really has a strength in them that i can respect immensely like i I respect those people so much so who is the person we're going to talk about so noelle Today, we are talking about a woman whose name is Terry Jindusa Nikolai. Okay, that's a long name. Yes. You've never heard of this? No. Terry is her first name? Yes, Terry. Okay. So, we today are going to be talking about how Terry managed to survive an attempt on her life by her ex-husband. What? That's so awful. I know. Did you know that, though, that most murders occur um, by people that know the person that was killed? Like either a spouse or a family member. That's that's crazy. I would assume it's like um, like people they know is more common. But like family members. Which is kind of scary when you think about it. 
Isn't that scary? Yeah, because it's like someone who knows you and like did it for like a reason. Like they and we're all to scared you. of the faceless, nameless murderer that randomly chooses us and comes through the window and kills us. But we're never worried about the kid next door or like the the family member that you don't see that often. Yeah, you know, you you're not like you worried about them. people you know. Yeah, but that is most of the time who commits murder. That's insane. People that know you, and especially in your own household, if it's like her husband, she. Ex-husband. Ex-husband. Well, I guess that's better than current husband. <laughs> I don't know if that's better at In all, degrees but of terribleness, it's, it's slightly less terrible. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, but her story is absolutely insane. She's such a strong human being. And by the end of this, I think we'll both come to... You'll have the same conclusion I did, which is like, what a badass and what an amazing human yeah. being. So with with without further ado... Is that the phrase? No. Wait, yeah. Without further, Without further ado. ado. Without further ado, let's let's get into the story. So we like I said, we're going to be talking about Terry Jendus and Nikolai. And she uh was once married to a man named David Larson. Uh he was her second husband. And when he they when they first started dating, Terry will often talk about in interviews how when they when they were starting to date he gave zero signs to her that he was an abusive person. He was very involved in their church community. She'd seen David with his ex-girlfriend and had seen him being a little bit controlling and a little bit rude. But when they were actually dating, he didn't come across that way whatsoever. And she kind of thought like, oh, it's because I'm the one, like the one that he's not going to treat terribly. Like I'm the person that he really loves. And honestly, it's things like that that kind of in these stories, I think make people who listen to I Survived and all these things a lot more cautious because it's honestly such a, like, it's that thing of, that happens a lot of time with murderers. It's like, you really don't think it's going to be that person because they come off sweet and kind, but there's a monster hiding underneath yeah, like, never the kind expect, exterior. You never expect that you could be the one who has someone like that in your life. Yeah. So they got married after knowing each other for uh, only a couple years and after the first year of their marriage, which went terribly, Terry knew that she was in an abusive relationship. So Larson was always trying to isolate her from her friends and from her family. She says that he would abuse her emotionally. He would abuse her physically. He was trying to control her finances and he would just get like lose his temper at the smallest things that would happen. Like he would blow up when there was food in the freezer that had gotten freezer burned. He would blow up at her when something wasn't cleaned or put away to what his standard was. Or he would freak out because she didn't make dinner correctly. Like stupid little things would cause him to just go off and abuse her because he couldn't control his temper at all. Yeah, that's awful. Because it's like, what do you do in that circumstance? It's like you want to get help, but it's like she's married to this person because she loves him so much. Yeah, and they had they had two daughters together. Oh my gosh. Which just makes it even worse. Were they, and they were still living in the house. They were not? still living in the house. And David Larson would chase Terry around the house trying to abuse her when he would get angry. And it was just terrible things that these kids had to live with. And even though he was abusive toward Terry, he seemed to, to have an interest in the daughters. He never wanted to like lose them or anything. But Terry honestly thought that it was only going to be a matter of time until he started abusing their daughters as well. And she states that that was one of the main reasons that she knew she had to get out of the abusive relationship because she didn't want what was happening to her to happen to her daughters. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of a lot of 
I feel like that's a lot of times the case that it's like people who have children, it's not even fear of themselves being hurt, but of their kids being hurt. Yeah, for sure. Like Like the motherly instinct, you know, it's just the strongest thing. So she, Terry eventually filed for divorce. And when I was looking through documents and kind of just reading about this case, this divorce was seriously awful, like absolutely awful. There was fighting a between terry and david and eventually though even after all this fighting even after knowing that she was abused abused by david larson the court decided that david larson should have joint custody over the daughters what because a lot of sources that i was reading actually said that the reason that they let him have joint custody was because it's not very often that you see i guess in these divorce cases the father fighting so hard to be able to see his kids Mm -hmm. But still, it doesn't make any sense that to me whatsoever sense. because he was abusive and there were clear, like they knew that he was abusive. So why would you, why le- would you let him near them? It, yeah, again? it absolutely makes no sense to me. I can't, I, I don't understand it. So he gets to in custody and they kind of go their separate ways. They don't ever see each other except for when she's dropping off the kids or he's picking up the kids but eventually terry meets this new guy okay his name is nick nikolai (laughs) yes nothing i have nothing to say love it love love the name love love him i it's the best he's such a good dude but i that name just made me crack up who just decided that why would what parent yeah what you don't you know what? I have nothing else to say about that name. Of all the terrible things in this case, of that all, is the yes. worst. No, I'm kidding. That is the worst I'm of kidding. all of these horrible things. Oh my is this man named Nick Nikolai. So anyway, uh, she met this new guy named Nick Nikolai and they were happily in a relationship. But it's really sad because she'll talk about in interviews. Like she did this interview on Wisconsin Tonight and she talked about how... Um, it took her a long time before she could feel comfortable around guys anymore because she was so scared to get into a relationship after what had happened to her with David that it took her a really long time before she felt comfortable enough to open up with anyone new. But she said that Nick is like this fantastic guy and who was always there for her. So she was happily in this relationship. He was really good to her and good to their two daughters. But unfortunately, her relationship with David Larson because of the fact that he had joint custody was continuing to like be the source of problems in her life because she just because that she had divorced him didn't mean she didn't still have to see him because every time she was dropping off picking up the kids and every time that she would go to drop off the kids or pick them up David Larson would continue to physically and emotionally abuse her in front of the kids And so eventually it got so bad that um, she decided that she needed to get a restraining order. Go her. Yeah. That's awesome. And I I put in my notes that she talked, she kind of says that Larson was just looking for any possible avenue that he could torture her. If it meant that he only had five minutes to do it while she was picking up her kids, he would do it. And that's just the type of person that he was, which is what eventually you know caused her to want to get a restraining order in the first place which is also known as the worst type of person in the world that's so awful yeah so she gets a restraining order and they start dropping off and taking the kids in places publicly so that there's no chance of him being physically abusive toward her uh and she doesn't have to see him anymore 
But on January 30th, 2004, Terry went to David Larson's home to pick up the girls because she talks about kind of just being like, I'll be fine. It's just a quick drop off and pick up. It doesn't matter. Whatever. It was January 30th, 2004 was exactly three years after they had gotten divorced, like to the day. But she was with Nick Nikolai and they were really happy. And David Larson actually had a girlfriend at the time. So she wasn't too worried about anything. So he told her when she got when Terry got to his house, he said, oh, come in. The kids are inside. They're playing a game. They want you to play with them. So she kind of talks about how she thought that it was kind of a bad idea. But at the same time, she wanted to be a good mom to her kids and just like show them that she was there for them, even with her -hmm. ex-husband. So she she went inside the house. And as soon as she stepped inside the house, David Larson pulls a gun on her. Okay, and he starts threatening her. So another interesting thing about this case is that under the restraining order that Terry had, he was not supposed to have a gun. Since he was an abuser and she'd gotten a restraining order against him, he was not legally allowed to own a gun. But he had managed to keep one because the police couldn't search his house for a gun unless they had a search warrant. So it was basically like the law just didn't work. Because it was saying, okay, no guns, but then there was but no way for them check. to actually tell if he did have one. So he pulls out the gun that he wasn't even supposed to have and starts to threaten Terry with it. And he eventually grabs a baseball bat and hits her over the head with it. And then he puts her in the back of the trunk of his car. And she's like barely conscious because of how hard he had hit her with a baseball bat. And his kids are still in the house. During all time. of this, the kids are in the back room. So they didn't see what happened. They never even saw Terry come in the house. But during this whole thing, they're still like there in the back of the house. Just like they don't know what's going on, obviously. But still, it's like he clearly he talked about how much he wanted to see his kids and get joint custody and all this. But then he's willing to basically attempt to murder their mother in the same house as them as he's gonna the kids risk are in. everything yeah he's willing to risk it all just to torture terry like it, i it's that thing that kind of makes me think that i don't think he really cared about his kids that much at all because no because it seems like the most that? important thing to him was being evil to terry for yeah, leaving him because if his kids were the most important thing he if he hadn't done that he could have kept joint custody yeah the probably whole time and yeah. So David starts to drive Terry and he she's in the trunk. OK. And he drives her. They live in Wisconsin, but he drives her over state lines into northern Illinois, which was close to where he worked. But one thing that David Larson didn't account for, which is honestly the whole reason that this is an I survived case and not a murder case is because of this next part. So Terry had a cell phone on her that David Larson never thought to look for. So while she was in the trunk of the car, she calls 911 and she's like slipping in and out of consciousness. She's barely alive. Right. And she calls 911. She says, I'm Terry Jindusa. My ex-husband is trying to kill me. His name is David Larson. He's trying to kill me. I'm in the trunk of his car. Help. Wow. Just help. Okay. So while David Larson is driving her away over into Illinois He's going toward this storage unit that he had. And while he's doing this, the police are already on their, on way. their way to David Larson's house. Yeah. Okay. You know, when you're like, like waking up 
like as soon as you wake up you like don't really know where you are and you're kind of confused if in that moment I had to call 911 and tell them that someone was trying to kill me I don't think I could I could barely answer a call if someone was waking me up yeah like as soon as you wake up she's slipping in and out of consciousness after being abused yeah like she was in the trunk of a car and it's not like she's just waking up she was hit over the head like she's hurt and she gave them honestly all the information that they needed too because she said his name is david larson he's trying to kill me i'm in the back of his green car like that's so impressive she i told you you, she's a badass so he's driving her to the storage unit that he has in northern illinois (coughs) continue and when they get there, he drags her into the storage unit and continues to beat her with the baseball bat. And then he grabs her body because she can't move at this time. She's practically yeah. dead because he had beat her with a baseball bat repeatedly. And he takes her body and he shoves her into a trash can in the storage unit. And then he puts a bunch of other containers on top of this trash can and he just leaves her in there. And honestly, that part of the story is so awful to me because the fact that this is a woman who he supposedly had once loved. This is a woman who he had two kids with and he shoved her body in a trash can. It's repulsive. It How is. You, it's, it's disgusting. It's not something that you can even, even fathom that yeah. someone could do that. The idea sort that of you thing. would care so little about a person that you would throw them away like trash, literally. It's awful. Yeah, what did mm, there are so many words for this person, <laughs> and all of them are not things I want to say on a microphone. <laughs> nothing good to <sighs> say about this. No, person. really not. And like I said earlier, this is January of two thousand four. January in Wisconsin, and this is a storage unit. It has no heating, and the temperatures are below zero in this storage unit where she is stuck in a trash can and dying and dying so it's not like there was any way for her to get out first of all she's already so badly injured second of all it's below freezing it's below zero in wisconsin at this time so when he leaves the storage unit he's fully knowing that she is going to die it's a fully his intention is 100 percent to kill her and in the most painful way possible because she's still breathing when she goes into the trash can so David Larson then goes back to his house and he t- and he takes his daughters to he had taken his daughters to his girlfriend's house. That's what he did right away before the police even got there and knew where he lived. Any of that. So he takes his daughters to his girlfriend's house and then he does not go back home. So the authorities sh- had shown up at his house pretty quickly after that. But. Like I said, after he dropped his kids off at his girlfriend's house, he didn't come home. So they put out an Amber Alert for a green pickup truck, which is what David Larson drove at that time. And the community went on a search and they everyone was looking for him in this town. And they were eventually able to actually get him to come back to the station because the police were waiting for him at his job. And he was an air traffic controller uh, at a place near northern Illinois. Isn't that where she was? Yes. She was... Oh, shoot. So when he was at his job, he could look out the window since he was an air controller and see the storage unit where his wife was in a trash can dying, his ex-wife. And was this the next day that he went back to his job? No, this is the same day. Okay. He had a shift that same day. So the head detective, uh, his name is Chris Schmaling on this case, and he recalls that 
after they picked up Larson, they questioned him for six and a half hours about where his wife was and where his daughters were because he hadn't told them where his daughters were. So he told the police his story was that Terry never came to pick up the kids after a few, you know, like an hour. Mm -hmm. He told them, oh, Terry never came to pick up the kids. I took them to my girlfriend's house. So luckily the police go to the girlfriend's house and they find the kids. They take the kids from her, obviously. And at least now they know that the kids are safe because when they showed up at his house and there was no one there, no wife, no kids, they were concerned that he might have done something to his daughters as well. So they they at least have the daughters now. But it takes a really, really long time. And he never basically I'll make this a little shorter. He never gives up Terry's location. But the thing that kind of startles him is when the police say, listen, man, we searched your house. We saw Terry's pants and a pool of blood of her blood in your house. So it's obvious. So we know that you hurt her. We know that you took her. But he still refuses to give up any information. And you know what he says to the fact that they found the blood and her pants in his apartment? You want to know? Something disgusting, I'm sure. He said, she tried to attack me, so I defended myself. He blames it on Terry. That makes me want to scream. Yeah. How could you... And at this point, he must assume that she's dead. Oh, for sure. So why can't he just say... How is she alive, by the way? How is she alive right now? We'll talk about that in a minute. What's going on? This honestly makes me so angry because it's like the audacity of this person. They have a 911 call. They have her pants and her blood, not not a scratch on you. And you think that the police are going to believe that you acted in self-defense air quotes self-defense like it frustrates me so much and it honestly just shows that I feel like in a lot of these cases with murderers with abusers with rapists something that's a common thread throughout all of these people is hubris like they have so much pride that I'm so smart I I know everything I couldn't possibly get caught because I have a perfect story like I'm not going to give up her location because you'll never find her You know, it's that pride that irritates me so, so much of like thinking that you're the smartest person in the room when When the majority of the time they're not the smartest person in the room, not by a long shot. And it just bothers me so much. Like pride in normal people bothers me, but pride in people who are using, are abusing other people, are hurting other people, and then are willing to do anything to save their own skin about it. No remorse. That disgusts me. That disgusts me. That is the worst type of person. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Like, it, it's not. He's so idiotic. Like, why did he he's think that that was. I thought yeah, that was a why good do word think, that you used earlier. Yeah. Why, why did he think anything he was going to say is going to work? He knows he's going to go to jail, right? Yeah. Like, and is he, he that stupid that and, he doesn't even know that? Like, and does he not realize? You can tell also that he was prideful that because he just thought he didn't even check Terry for his cell phone. He was just like in a rage and didn't yeah. care, you know, and it's just, oh, gosh, it makes me. Yeah, he was I'm like happy that bad. he didn't try to take her cell phone, but it just is so irritating to me. Like he had never realized in his abusive mindset, he never realized that Terry was smarter than him the whole time. 
and that Terry was the one who's the hero of the day. And Terry's the one who's actually probably the smartest person in the room, not him. Yeah, because he just thought, this is my plan. How could anything go wrong? Yeah. Everything I'm doing is right, so how could it go wrong? Disgusting. It's disgusting. So he never gives the authorities the lo- her location. But when they the police go through his wallet and his things, uh, in his wallet they see this card that has the number and location of a storage unit that yes. he has in his wallet. Let's go and this, police. Dude, I literally do so many stories on this podcast where the police work is astoundingly terrible. Yeah. It's so frustrating because it's like, this is your job, bro. Like, what is going on? Like, do your job. But in this case, I was like, hell yeah. This is what good police work does. P- good police work creates I Survive stories. And honestly, the police in this story did sure. their job right. And because of that, she was she's alive. Because her terrible husband, ex-husband, was never going to give it up. But the police pushed and they followed the leads. And any that lead. is the reason that she yeah. was able to be saved. They followed it's, any lead. Because it's like one card of a storage unit. It's like, well, he could have taken her anywhere. But they were going to follow But any they were going to chase could. down every lead. They were going to figure it out. So, which is great. Yeah, and I, I seriously respect that so much. And it's good police work like that that really makes, you know, it makes me happy and it makes me have hope for good police forces because this is just some town in wisconsin and these police are better than some of the police that i've read about in los angeles new york it's like gives me hope that there there are good police officers there are good law enforcement that chase down the leads and find the people that they need to so they find this card with the storage unit. And since Terry's not at her house, she wasn't with her. Uh, she wasn't with Nick Nikolai. She wasn't with her kids. They just go to the storage unit. They're like, might as well give it a try, you know, and it's near his work. Some might as well try to. So when they arrive at the storage unit, it's been 26 hours since oh. Terry was originally kidnapped. OK, 26 hours since her abduction and her chances of being alive and surviving the freezing temperatures are like slim to none. They basically think that she assume, must already yeah, be dead. I would assume because it's zero. It's below zero outside, and sh- no pants. She's. They have no idea She's where she dying. is. She. So when the cops get into the storage unit, the first thing they see is a bloody baseball bat lying on the ground. So they covered know in Terry's blood. So they know for a fact after that Terry was in the storage unit, because her blood's all over the place, and there's a baseball bat. So we know Terry's in this storage unit so they start to search and they see all these containers piled up in the corner of the storage unit right but underneath it they see a trash can so they they think what is the biggest container in here that could fit a body so they pull out all the containers and when they open the trash can they find terry and they the police officer who was on the scene chris mailing says she was curled into the fetal position in this trash can And that she had a huge injury on her head from where she was hit with the baseball bat. She had bruises and bloody marks all over her body from the bat. And that she had frostbite so bad that her feet were black. And the detective said that he thought she was wearing socks at first. Because her feet were so black from frostbite. And it gets even more sad because they called the paramedics immediately obviously and it's great that they found her but it's just sad because her injuries were so bad 
that they couldn't take her out of the trash can until the paramedics got there because they were scared that moving her would cause her to have like extreme blood loss and die on the spot. And she was barely alive already. How is she alive? That's she insane. is a survivor, man. She is a survivor. So she I mean, she's imagine. left in this trash can, but then the paramedics arrive and they take they rush her to the hospital. And despite having they thought she might have possible brain damage, they thought she might not be able to walk again. Uh, and she did have huge damage and she has a big scar on her head and she lost all 10 of her toes because of frostbite. But she was alive but she's and alive. she was going to make a recovery oh they knew gosh. she was going to make a recovery they think that she was less than an hour away from death if that any later she would have died 26 hours imagine 26 being hours. somewhere a trash can for 26 hours yeah and also not even just being in it which is scary enough by itself but being but in being extreme pain in extreme pain that whole time yeah it's awful but they knew after they got her to the hospital and she was there for a while, they knew that she was going to make a recovery. And Terry survived this horrible night in 2004, like by a smidge. But when she talks about it now, she talks about when she was in that trash can, she said that it was thinking about her faith and thinking about the fact that she had to stay alive for her daughters that got her through and that kept her breathing. That's amazing. That only thoughts of her faith and her kids are what got her through that and that's when I read that I was just like what a great mother you know she's so much more than someone who survived this horrible thing like she is someone who was willing to push herself probably through pain and exhaustion because of how much she loved other people and she only gets more amazing the more that you read about her. Like, she's honestly a hero. And For sure. It, so, David Larson, going back to that jerk, he's arrested, obviously, immediately, and he's charged Yay. for first-degree attempted murder. And he will spend... I wrote this in my notes. He will spend the rest of his miserable life in jail! Exclamation Yay. point. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, unfortunately, though, in 2010, like the asshole he is... He tried to, from jail, regain joint custody of his kids because he said, even though I'm in jail, I still have parental rights. So he sues and he starts fighting in court from prison, saying that he wants to have joint custody and more child support. How how is that even a thing that you can do? I don't know. How is that a thing? He was called. He was phoned in like he was on a self on a cell phone while the rest of them were in court. There's this incredible video. You have to watch it. I'll see if we can put it on the Instagram, maybe. Maybe, But this awesome judge gives him this big screw you for, and says that the conditions of the case hadn't changed and basically says it's your own damn fault that you don't get to see your kids anymore. Okay, so stop begging. Be, so the judge obviously says, no, you can't see Good. your daughters anymore. It's your fault. Nothing has changed that makes me believe that you are any more worthy to see your kids and you need to leave this woman alone. And Terry even said that she she never wanted to hear his voice again. So the whole situation was really like stressful for her. And she honestly said that she don't doesn't think that he believed that he really cared about her daughters. He she thinks that he was only doing that so he could torture her even from jail. Yeah. Make her hear his voice again, make her go to court, make her fight for her daughters with this man who tried to kill her. That's oh my gosh. 
how is he even allowed to do that though i didn't know i you don't could do that how could you do that i, I guess it's a, that was a i thing. guess it's a thing that if you uh, i mean i understand it for some people like if you go to to jail for doing drugs or something but you're trying to get clean and yeah, become a better person while you're in jail then yeah you should probably be able to see your kids but if that's for attempted murder but for attempted murder of their <laughs> it's mother a bit of a different story screw off screw off like that's they're they're better off with nick nikolai excuse for sure you. and in the same video they david larson's dad goes on camera and i know, i feel bad for him i know it must be bad to have your son be a monster but he goes on camera and he said, if you got, if people just knew also what Terry had done in the relationship, what? I think they might have some sympathy for my son. And I was like, your son tried to murder someone with a baseball bat and then shoved them in a trash can in freezing he weather. absolutely so no, no sympathy. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm picking up what you're putting down there, Mr. Larson. <laughs> That's... Yeah. So... So yeah, that was that was a blip. That happened in 2010, right? He goes to jail in 2004. That happened in 2010. But other than that, Terry has been able to live happily with Nikolai and her two daughters, and they will none of them will ever be seeing Larson again. And although this like obviously a terrible attempted murder happened to Jen Deuce and Nikolai, she took this horrible thing that happened in her life and she actually turned it into something good and she spent their she still is spending most of her time and the remainder of her life trying to help other women or or men who are in abusive relationships amazing she's devoted her life to speaking to people who uh, about the warning signs of being in an abusive relationship and she she fights for new laws that help protect victims of abuse so uh she actually helped draft this law called the wisconsin safe act and this act makes it so that poli- it's easier for police to search people and take guns away from abusers. Yeah. It makes it so abusers can't have guns anymore. Because think about it. If David Larson hadn't had that gun like he wasn't supposed to, if he actually hadn't had it, then it would have, you know, everything could have turned yeah. out differently. So she actually dra- helped was one of the main people who helped draft that law to help That's other so women. Cool. And she's just devoted. She's taken this terrible thing that happened to her. And she, I liked this one interview talked about how she went from being a victim to being an advocate for other women and being someone who not only did she push through and she's there for her kids and she's someone who it shares her story and speaks out, but she's somebody who is having to relive this horrible thing that happened to her as a sacrifice to help other people yeah. and that's i think that's I really amazing like how that's so impressive that she can still speak about this sort of thing because yeah something bad or embarrassing happens to you it's like i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about this thing and she was almost killed by her ex-husband and had to stay alive for 26 hours and she's okay talking about it to help other people yeah, she She's did this great hero. she did this interview and I was that I was listening to and one of the questions they asked her was um does it st- when you have to talk about it all the time does it feel like it happened yesterday? And she said that it comes and goes in phases, you know. She she said that sometimes it feels like it happened yesterday and sometimes it feels like it happened years and years ago. And so she's not always living in that pain, you know. She has really turned her life around and she's got her own family now and she's got a great job and she's helping other people with 
she take like I said earlier, she took this terrible thing that happened to her and made it into something great for other people. So I I kind of this is what I wrote in my notes as the conclusion statement. I'll just read it because <laughs> this is how I felt. <laughs> I said Terry is truly everything we could want to be: strong, kind, and driven. Her story is a reminder of all the people in abusive relationships today, and just kind of reminds us that we need to be cautious and we need to remember the fact that there are still women out there every day who are being abused and that it's not something that should be taken lightly because look what happened to terry like that could happen to anybody yeah. you know it's just you never one. think it's gonna be you but you never think it's gonna be you but, but either exactly so uh i just wanted to put out there really quickly if anybody who listens to the podcast or if you know somebody who is in what you think might be an abusive relationship the um National Abuse Hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. That is 1-800-799-7233. And you can call that number and somebody will be there to help you or to help your friend. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And that is the story of Terry Jendusa Nikolai. She's a survivor. She's a wife. She is a mother. She is a believer. And honestly just so much love to her she's like i said at the beginning of this she's a badass and she's awesome i mean mothers are the strongest people definitely of any person and she just makes me think that even more so yeah we love you terry Terry. (laughs) we love you yeah she's honestly the coolest person crazy strong yeah I can't imagine being in her situation. I can't imagine that I would have done the same thing. I don't think I would have been nearly as strong or kind as she was in that afterward, even in, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. She's insane. Wow. She's really, really someone to look up to. So what are your thoughts on that whole story? I mean, that's, I, I don't know how she like, you'll never really be inside of her head. You'll re- never really know how she completely felt while she was there. But just hearing just part of it, just part of her story, I could have never, I feel like I could never do what she did. That takes a certain kind of person. Like, she was so unbelievably strong just because she believed in staying alive for her kids. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's something that I'll I'll never really understand. I feel like it's something that she had to experience not that she had to experience, but something that she did experience and now she can help all these other people. And I, I mean, I think it's amazing. Yeah, amazing she's amazing. Thing. And I, I really am. It, it, the story is awful. What happened to her is horrible. But it almost does feel, in a way, at the end, like the good guys won. The police found yeah. her. She managed to be still alive and he went to jail for life. You know, it kind of has that moment where you're like, he got what he deserved, which is to yeah. never be able to see his kids again. And to for someone who, I mean, he wanted to control every single aspect of her life. And now he's sitting in jail and he can't do anything. It's like, that's what you deserve. That's completely what he so deserves. So it, it almost feels like the bad guy got punished and Terry and her family are happy. Yeah, that's the difference. Which is what between, they deserve. Exactly. That's the difference between this and like, uh, like a murder story is like, in the end, it's like with a murder the bad guy even when they go to jail for life it's like well they they killed someone yeah that, that person, family that, that person fam- that family didn't get to win they didn't get the justice that they completely deserve because even though they're gone to jail for life it's like but i still don't get that person back 
So yeah, I survive stories true. have something special about them where it's always like justice is completely served. He's gone for jail to life and she's okay. And now she's made it into this amazing thing that happens in her life and that she can share with all these other people. Yeah. So overall, I think moral of the story is Terry, Jindusa, and Nikolai is amazing. And you never, I think that she even said this once in an interview that women never know how strong they really are. And she once actually quoted Nancy Reagan. She said, women are, uh, she said, women are like tea bags. You never know how strong they are until they're in hot water. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's true. And she really demonstrates how to be strong. So I, yeah, big shout out to her and everything she's doing. It's incredible. So with that, Noelle, I think it's time to move on to my favorite segment of the show. Happy Things. Oh, I love the sound. I do a little dance every time it comes on. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach liked it so much that he made me play it three times. <laughs> you play it one more time? Yeah, because I want it time. twice. <sighs> okay. It's magical. It's like if Disneyland really is. was a sound effect. Yeah. Okay, my happy thing. Let me think for a second. Oh, I actually do know what mine is. I can never think of one, but you go ahead. Um, there is a YouTube channel that me and Emma love called Dang it, you stole mine. Oh, whoops. You made me it's okay. g- <laughs> <laughs> that was such an ugly sister thing that we just did. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys should be lucky you didn't have to see what just happened here. <laughs> but um, there's a YouTube channel called Pretty Much It, and they do hilarious commentary. <laughs> they, they, you want to try that again? <laughs> Give me a second. They do hilarious commentary tracks um, <laughs> about different movies, TV shows, whatever it is. My, me and Emma's probably favorite is the Harry Potter one. Yeah. They I mean, I'm already all, such a big yeah. Harry Potter fan. Yeah. They watch all the Harry Potter movies and then they take the best parts and they put it together in a video online and they're doing a live show of 13 Reasons Why and we got tickets to go Woo-woo. and we we're so excited. So I'm extremely excited for that and it's i don't know it's like a month away but i'm super excited for it yeah me too counting down the days already because it's gonna be awesome and i'm going to see casey musgraves next week too so i have a good week for live shows i actually have a different happy thing although that is a happy thing going on in my life i have two happy things so i'm gonna take up time for two also i like your happy thing i'm so excited for that show it's gonna be so awesome awesome. but jinx <laughs> Don't look at me like that. So, uh my happy thing is actually that um in one week I'm going to college. I'm moving in Woo! a week. And I'm like kind of happy about it, but also a little bit, you know, a little bit I sad didn't mean to, to go. Cheer. Yeah, I thought sure you were you didn't. Be- Noelle has been having people she's taking my room when I leave. She has been having people come into my room and measure the ground while I'm in here to see how much it's going to cost to put down hardwood. Well, you know what? You have an ugly carpet. And I'm going to make it a beautiful floor. So you know what? All right. I'm sad you're leaving, but... That's the first time she said that she's sad. I have said it so many times. (laughs) I'm done with this. I'm exiting. Signing off. Goodbye. Okay, so that i'm leaving in a week that's one of my happy things and my other happy thing is that uh so i listen to this podcast called potterless i know there's probably some potterless fans out there 
but I listen to this podcast called Potterless, and it's about Harry Potter. It's this guy named uh, Mike Schubert who goes through the Harry Potter books for the first time. And uh, as of time of recording this, yesterday he released part one of the final chapter of the seventh book. So he's almost done reading the books, and honestly, I've just been like so stoked about listening to that that that's one of my happy things like i'm loving hearing his reaction to the final chapter of the final book it's made me so happy have you finished it no i'm halfway through it but i'm very very excited that's exciting so he only has he only has one more episode where he's talking about the book that's oh my gosh what is he gonna do when he's done well he has a bunch of other stuff planned so it's still gonna be like good content i'm stoked for it i mean he's gonna be awesome that's awesome. So, yeah, so those those are my happy things for today. <laughs> <laughs> well, just choked on water. Oh my gosh, that's the third but, uh, time this has happened today. Right there, I think that that's where we're going to cut the podcast off for now. It's kind of a shorter episode, but I'm okay with that. So, uh, like I said, my name is Emma Sexton, and you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, at Horrible Things Podcast. And uh, you should definitely go check out the podcast Instagram and Facebook because we post updates about the episodes, hints about the next episodes that are coming out, all sorts of good stuff. Soon we're going to have stickers, all that good stuff. We'll also have a Patreon and YouTube channel coming up soon. I just need to finish editing the channel trailer. But yeah, uh, so go find us on social media. Our Twitter, Noel, you want to go ahead? Okay. On Facebook and Instagram, it's Horrible Things Podcast. On Twitter, it's Horrible Things P. (laughs) Just the letter. It's just, okay, you can only have 15 letters. And Horrible Things was already taken. I feel like we've talked about this already. We have. I just want to make you repeat it. Well, okay, Horrible Things was already taken. By the way, who? By who? Who took that? Who needed know. that? Probably someone scary. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to judge them. This is the Horrible Things podcast. But anyway, it's so. Horrible Things P. So, so just find us just on Twitter. find us on Twitter. Horrible Things P. Thank yeah. you very much. And uh, as always, please make sure to leave us a rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you can. It really helps us to get found by other people who are wanting to listen to a true crime podcast, things like that. Tell your friends if you can. This podcast is really spread by word of mouth. So go ahead and... Get, show it to your friends. Send it to your dad. Send it to your babysitter. Send it to your cousin and your cousin's boyfriend. Oh, send it to your grandma. Friend. Yeah, your, your grandma, grandma will love this podcast. Interested in true crime? You just don't know. You don't. She probably has a story. So yes. you're gonna ask her about it, and then you're gonna be like, you know what? I actually have a podcast that, that you, you would be interested to. in. So, so you share it with your friends. But most importantly, thank you guys so so much for listening. Honestly, your support means the world to me, and it makes everything that we do on the podcast worth it. So I just want to say to sign off here: be a badass like Terry. Don't give your kid the same first and last name. And most importantly, don't do horrible things. All right. And the music is going to come in now.